We must never rest until everything inside us worships God. And there's something about the turning of a new year that causes us to contemplate where we've come from, where we are in life. And to me, it always brings a wee bit of conviction that I need to be doing better at loving him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength that Deuteronomy 6.5 describes. And that intentionality then sets me back on a path to study more, to be in the word more, to uh, spend more time with him, whether that's out in nature or whether it's in church or whether it's with Christian uh, sisters in, in the Lord. All of those leads me on that intentional path to never rest until everything inside me worships God. And there is so much to get to know about him. And there is so much left unsaid praise that we need to give him and to give him glory. One of the great blessings that I um, have found living where I'm living now is the fact that we have those morning rain showers. And I can't count the number of rainbows that I have seen in the past couple weeks, let alone the past year since we've lived there. Um, and it's just been fantastic, and I love them. I love to see a rainbow. There's just something exciting about it. And one of the reasons I love it comes out of Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28. So let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 1, 28. And when someone finds that, could they read it out of the King James Version, please? Ezekiel 1, verse 28. That'll work. Like the appearance of rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around me. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. I know that's the same thing. I think it's the King James. I'm not sure. It's the same thing I have. It's the New King James. It's, King James. Mm -hmm. okay, it's very similar to the King yes. James. So. Yes. So he says, the appearance was the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when he saw it, he fell on his face and he heard the voice of one that spoke. The rainbow, it says, was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And perhaps that's why I get so excited when I see a rainbow. It's always a thrill um, every time, even if it's coming out of a garden hose. <laughs> I love to water in the evenings and the hummingbirds love to come and take their baths. And there's a beautiful rainbow that is made while I'm spraying in the air over my plants for the birds to come and take their baths in. And I just, it doesn't matter where that, that rainbow's coming from, whether it's a garden hose or whether it's a waterfall that I've seen, um, or the Lord doing it out of a cloud, or wherever. It's just an amazing thing. But it says it was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Today we're going to look at the glory of the Lord. But first, I think we probably should open in prayer, remembering that the things of God are spiritually ascertained, as it tells us in 2 Corinthians. And um, there may have been a time, at this morning even, where we have stepped out of his uh, will for our life or his fellowship with him. And so let's take a moment to confess any sin that might have broken our fellowship with him 
quietly, and then I will open us in prayer. Take a moment. Father, I thank you that your word says that when we confess sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us, and that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we just ask that you would be with us this morning as we open your word. I praise you for who you are, Lord, that you are our Father in heaven that loves us and has provided for us. I pray as we open your word that the word would just soak in, Lord, help it to change who we are. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you ever want an enjoyable day, an extra hour perhaps, spend it looking up the word glory. I have had a, a month of this, and even this morning I was still writing stuff. And Bobby said, I thought you were done. And I said, I thought I was too. But <laughs> the Lord just showed me something else, and so now I have to... I have to write that out too. And so it may be a long lesson today. I'm not sure we're just going to plow right on through. But um, there is nothing better than doing word studies of God's word uh, because it just really opens up what he's trying to say to us. Romans 1 tells us, oh, first of all, I wanted, this is what I was writing up this morning, and it's to define what glory is. The word glory in the Old Testament is... Kadad, Kadab, Kadad, what did I put there? It's Kadad, Kabod, K-A-B-O-D, and it's actually a K with a little E with a little dot with a little <laughs> in the Hebrew. But um, in rabbinic Judaism, Kabod has the emphasis on seeing, recognizing, acknowledging the glory of God. So it's you see God, and this could be um, in relation, I should back, up, back this up. Kabod could relate to human or to God, because it is just seeing and recognizing and giving admiration to something or someone. And so I'm sure yesterday, Leslie, for her birthday, was honored. Yes. And received some glory, as she's going to receive today, <laughs> um, for her 80th birthday. And that's, that's great. That's the kind of seeing, recognition, and admiring of who God is, that, and acknowledging who God is, that was happening under the word kabod. It was to see his splendor, his character, and his light. According to this dictionary, it's um, based on his character. So you'll remember in the Old Testament that there was a veil that separated the people from God in the Holy of Holies. And when Christ died on that cross, that veil was torn from top to the bottom, showing us that God's the one that tore it. Man did not. But um, that visual glory of God was only seen by the high priest once a year as he was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And that was just 
his Shekinah glory that was there, it was not the full glory of God. So while it was like a theophany, we, we saw a little bit of him. That's how this, it would be with, for the high priest. He would go in and he would see this light that was over the Ark of the Covenant. And he would see a, a little bit of this glow, if you will, of the Shekinah of the Lord. So only he could do that. But then once Jesus came, all that changed. And um, the author J.I. Packer had this to say about it. The Old Testament, God displayed the, his glory in typical visual form as an awe-inspiring expanse of bright light, the Shekinah, as later Judaism called it. This was the sign of his beneficent presence in both the tabernacle and temple. The essential and abiding revelation of God's glory, however, was given by his great acts of merited judgment and unmerited love, and in his name, which was no mere label, as our names are, but a disclosure of God's nature and character. The Hebrews experienced and worshipped God from a distance. They weren't brought near like we are in the New Testament. The Koine word that is most often used for glory is doxa, as I put there. And what was once far off, all of a sudden became near. And what was looking and seeing, now we participate in. This is an amazing point. We participate in the glory of God because of our position in Christ. And because of that position in Christ, we are able to experience the character of God in our life. The Holy Spirit has been placed within us to live that out in us. So they, um, we now have that potential to live out the character of God. And note that I said potential <laughs> because we know we are still in this human form that is frail and weak and has its own wants and its own desires. But because of God sending Christ to come and present the glory to the world, we are no longer far off from him. He is a God that is with us. And um, we can praise him all day long for that. So to live out that glory, we need to walk in fellowship with his spirit. Romans 8, 16 through 18 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And I did not put these references on your notes because I just did this this morning. So, <laughs> so Romans 8, 16 to 18, you're going to probably want to write that down. The Spirit hymns, these are the testament of how we are connected to God's glory. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, which remember, we did not have birth in us until salvation. So at our salvation, we had a spirit that was birthed to us. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 16 to 18. Mm -hmm. If children, we are heirs also, heirs of God, 
and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may be also glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't matter what this life amen, throws at us. Amen, amen, amen. It's temporary. And it is producing in us a work of glory that we have. Paul writes in Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27. <clears throat> of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to the saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Philippians 3.20 through 21. <laughs> For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. Can you believe that? He's going to take this old frail thing and he's going to give us the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. The main distinction then between Kabod and Doxa is that one was out there. They recognized there was a God. Some of them did. <laughs> some of them just were mindlessly going along looking for some God they could create. Just like today. But there were those that were looking at him and recognizing this is God Almighty. And then we have Doxa, where we are the representation of God. We have the indwelling of God. We are so blessed Amen. in this time frame yes. that we are living in. Yes. That Thank time you. frame, they did not have the indwelling of the Spirit that was with them forever. We do. We do. So, he has, um, he is the hope of glory. In Christ, we have all of these things. And we participate in that glory in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing to the praise of his glory. Amen. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, He has granted to us, I'm going to write those down too. You don't have those on there either. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. Um, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Yes. Some of my favorite verses. Um, he has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. 
who called us by his own glory and excellence. No, this is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Um, for by his own glory and excellence, by God's own glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In his glory and excellence, we get to partake of his divine nature. When we give glory to God, we are not imparting something to him that he does not already have. We are just recognizing it. We are acknowledging the honor that is due him because of who and what he is. Amen. Romans chapter 1. I think this should be on your sheet. Romans 1 is not on your sheet either? Okay, well, Romans 1. <laughs> and I believe it's 21. Tells us that since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that those who deny him are without excuse. His very creation, as we were talking about earlier, reveals 120 and 21, is it 120? Um, his very nature reveals his glory, and it puts his attributes on display for us to see. As a friend, I was telling a friend this last week when we had that full moon, that big, beautiful full moon, I told her God is not shy about revealing his glory. He is not shy about it at all. It is out there. Right there. <laughs> In Genesis 9, we find the story of God signing a covenant with Noah to never flood the earth again. And it is there that, this, that he uses the rainbow as his signature. We all know the truth that a promise is only as good as the one making the promise. Um, as the, and as good as the character that we can rely on to keep that promise. So in order to trust God at his word, we must first understand his character. And if we know anything about our God, it is that he is a promise keeper. So we're going to look at that. Turn to Genesis 9, verses 12 through 17. And this is where he makes that covenant. Would someone please read verses 12 through 17? And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, 
and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Thank you. Amazing fact number one. When we see a rainbow, so does God. I found that very striking. You know, when I read that account, he says he put the bow as a reminder to himself. Now we know our God. He doesn't need to be reminded about anything. But he sees those rainbows. You were going to get choked up. <laughs> every time I see a rainbow, every time you see a rainbow, he sees it too. And he remembers that promise that he made. I just love the fact that God wants us to remember he's a promise keeper. You know, he puts those up there in the sky and wants us to remember that he is a promise keeper. Yes, Lord. I'm thinking, as you're saying that, as he said it was a reminder to himself, it's part of his mercy yes. towards us. Yes. Because we all know that there's a time when judgment is coming. Yeah. And every time he sees that rainbow, to me, it's telling him, okay, let's give them a little bit more time. They're coming slowly, but they're coming. So yeah. let's extend it. So I can see this in that mercy. respect, yeah. Mm -hmm. What he means by reminding him, like you said, he doesn't need to be reminded. We're the ones that need to be reminded. You know, and, and, and he just, you know, says goodness and mercy follows. I love it. But one more comment. Yes. Remember yesterday when we were talking or was it the day before? No, we talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't know how it came up, but then it came up and I said, we're talking about no more gay pride. And I said, they have the audacity to use the rainbow. And I said, but that's disrespect to God because the rainbow belongs to God. But then it belongs to us too. I didn't say that. The rainbow belongs to God. And then remember you replied, I said, well, that's it. Everything God had, the devil would want to steal. How dare they take those colors and use it for their gay pride representation? They and only have five colors in their rainbow. Yeah. And how many we have? More seven. Okay. But seven that's what they're trying to mimic. Yes. That's what they're trying to They had to have. I don't remember which. They have, uh, they have what, red, yellow, blue, and violet? I never paid attention. I yeah, I'll have to, you can pull it up on your phone right now and it will show you, but they only use five okay, colors. And that actually was started back in the New Age movement, back in the 70s, mm -hmm. when they took the rainbow mm -hmm. and converted it to five colors. And they just really it? Because when they passed that law a, under the Obama administration, now they had the audacity to, in, to put the rainbow colors over there over New York. They can't take the my God. They can't take my God's the rainbow. rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, really? They can't take my God's yeah, rainbow. Yeah. Okay. So it is a mercy to them too, even though, you know, because that's right. Rainbow is so, in your, 
So when we are looking at a rainbow, so is God. It's a token of his covenant with mankind. The word token in verse 12 is defined as a sign, a mark. It's a nonverbal symbol or signal, um, which has meaning either as a crafted or natural object. So God chose to use a rainbow as his signature, if you will. And uh, marks the promise that he made. It's a, it's a token of that promise that he made. And it serves as a reminder of that everlasting covenant that was between God and all of his creation. The interesting thing about a rainbow is when it's when light refracts through it that it becomes colorful. You know, we can have rain all day long and never see any color in the sky. Just gray, just gray. I guess that is a color, but it's just gray. <laughs> but the minute the light shows up on the scene, that rainbow gets displayed. And so the amazing fact number two is God is light. He is light. And the true colors of his character are revealed by that light. God is light. Amazing fact number three, Jesus is the light of the world. He came into the world to reveal the glory of the Father, to live out his divine attributes for us to see. And in John 12, did I put that on there? No, I didn't put the amazing fact verses. John 12, 45 through 46, says this, he who sees me sees the one who sent me, this is Jesus speaking, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. And since God used the rainbow as a sign or a token of his character, I'm going to use it this morning as a starting point for us to look at the character of God. The first color we have up here on our rainbow is red. And we know that historically, um, That represents love. And when we think of God's love, we know it's agape, right? Agape, love, it's different than, it's not an emotional love. Yes. It's not based on what we do. Um, it's based on who he is. 
And it's much deeper than the way that we love as humans, which is typically a phileo kind of love. You're nice to me, I will love you. <laughs> Not so nice to me, I won't love you. Um, but agape is defined as a self-sacrificial love that keeps on loving and keeps on manifesting itself by giving, regardless of the response. Mm -hmm. It always seeks the best for another. 1 John 4, 8 Yes, I do have those on there. Okay, so we're now at the colors. You have the verses. I don't have to write here. Good. Okay, so 1 John 4, 8 says, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Amen. It is God's divine nature that he is love. He continues to self-sacrificially love us and shows that by continuing to supply our needs, by continuing to be patient with us humans, because he desires that none would perish, but all would come to him, as it says in 2 Peter 3. He will keep on loving us regardless of how we respond to that love because he is love. John 3.16 assures us that because his love, he, of his love, he has made a way to save us and to reconcile us, to redeem us. Jesus, while he was on earth, said, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. That's John 15, 9. That love we are abiding is self-sacrificial. And it was proven by the gift of Jesus on the cross. And so when we see the color red of the rainbow, we can remember God is love. Next to the red, we have the color orange. Now, orange, that is here represents God being omnipresent. The color orange represents God's omnipresence. Omni means all. Present, of course, he's everywhere all the time. Everywhere. Okay, so he is ever-present, always present. God, um, he's not bound by space or time as we are. His presence is everywhere simultaneously. I can be out on the east end, you can be out on the west end. God is still there with each of us. I love Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, if there could be such a thing. But it says in there, where can I go from your spirit? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I go make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. You can't know how much those words meant to me when I was learning to scuba dive. <laughs> because even in the remotest part of the sea, he will lead me. And he has, and it's been such a blessing. We have such great conversations down there, he and I. But those are verses 7 and 9 of Psalm 139. 
And um, in verse 5, it says that he goes, he has enclosed me behind, he has gone before, and he has laid his hand upon me. And that's for each one of us. He's done that for each one of us. So he's so gracious to always be with us, omnipresent, everywhere. There's no place that we can go that he isn't there. And um, that he hasn't already gone before us. Now that in itself is an amazing thing because God has already, I don't know if you've ever seen some of those movies where someone knows what's coming around the next corner and so they change what's happening here to match what happens over there. So, but God does that for us. God has already gone before us. He knows that circumstance that's going to be there. He knows the flat tire we're going to get. He knows the uh, person that we're going to come in contact with that we may not get along with very well. He knows all of that. He has already gone before us. And he has prepared a way for us to get through it. Amen. And I just, Amen. there's just too much to say about our God, isn't there? Yes. But his omnipresence means that when you get that phone call from the doctor with the bad news, God's already been there. Yes. He already has been there. When they say another hurricane is coming, yes. God has already been there. Amen. He's already aware of it. He is ever-present, always. Um, there's no place that God is not with you, available not just with you, but available with all the grace that you need to make it through that situation. It's sufficient for every one of our weaknesses. That should give us great peace, ladies. Amen. That Amen. should give us great peace. The color yellow represents his omniscience. Whoops. Omniscience. So again, omni meaning all, science meaning knowledge. God is all knowledgeable. He knows everything. He knows everything from before he created us until what's happening after. He knows it all. That is hard for our minds to grasp at times, but that's where our faith is, isn't it? In a God that we cannot understand fully but in a God that we know enough to trust. Amen. That if he says it's true, it's Amen. true. Amen. So again, omni means all, science means knowledge. He knows all things. Nothing is hidden from him. He even knows the numbers of, of hair on our head. And even when I, several fall out every day, he knows that new number. He already knows. Historically, yellow or gold has always been representative of wisdom or knowledge. If you look in any kind of literary text, that color has represented um, wisdom and knowledge. And so that's why we tied yellow to his omniscience, because he is all-knowing. Colossians 2.3, in describing Jesus Christ, says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God couldn't give what he didn't possess, but he does possess all wisdom and all knowledge and all understanding. But then there's us who try to convince God if he would just do it our way. <laughs> 
God, if you would just do it this way, I'm sure it would all work out. What futile conversations we have sometimes, right? Like we're going to tell the all-knowing God the best way to handle my situation that he knew about. He's already gone before me. He knows exactly how to get out of it. But we're going to sit there and try and tell him this is how you should handle it. Pretty futile. Okay, so trusting his omniscience should remove any fear of anything Amen. in our future, Amen. in our day-to-day. -day. Um, it should remove that because he already has contingencies. He already knows what's yes. coming. He's already gone before. So between his love and his um, omniscience and his omnipresence, he's got it covered. Mm -hmm. We don't have Amen. to have any fear or Amen. worry. Wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. And that means the pressure is off of us to figure it all out. <laughs> I like that. We just need to live in the peace of, that his omniscience has over our lives. Green is historically and literal, literary, literarily, is that a word? <laughs> in, in literacy, is eternal. Growth, eternal. And our God is immutable. He is never changing. He is the always of always, the ever faithful one. He is eternal. Psalm 90, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The Apostle Paul, when he's closing out his letter to the church in... Um, Excuse me. The letter to the church. In um, Rome. In Romans 16, 26, as he closes the letter out, he says um, that he calls God eternal in that. Excuse me, I lost my place in my notes here. So he is, and he is also able to give eternal life to us. John 3.36 declares that. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Romans 6.22-23 says, But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in Titus 1-2, Paul introduces himself as one living in the hope of the eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ago. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 10-11. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will, per him, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our God is eternal. He has always existed. And when we were placed into Christ at salvation, we positionally took that place of eternal life as well. However, everlasting and eternal life have a slight distinction. Eternal is no beginning and no end. Everlasting has a beginning, but it has no end. 
So technically speaking, as humans, we have everlasting life. But in Christ, because we are in him, we have eternal life, which is, again, one of those things that our little finite minds just have a hard time grasping a hold of. That because he is eternal, we have eternal life in Christ. The color blue represents righteousness. Color blue represents righteousness. And that righteousness represented by blue because, do you remember the robes that the Levite priests had to wear in the temple? They were blue. And who designed those robes? God did. God wanted that to represent righteousness. Those priests were supposed to be righteous. Psalm 145, 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He is absolutely righteous. Perfect in truth. Perfectly just. Always stable. He is perfect in all of his ways. And the blue that the priests wore in the temple were to represent the righteousness of God. They were set apart for righteousness. And he designed those robes for that purpose. The word righteous in Koine Greek, which I think I've referred to before, is um, a builder's term. And it means to be built according to the specifications of a blueprint. They're called blueprints for a reason. <laughs> they are specified how to build a structure. We are to be built according to the specifications that God designed in our blueprint for each one of our lives. And each one of our lives are a different set of blueprints built from the same builder who has the same character. You know, a designer, you can tell a designer's work because that designer's work is all over his, just like you can tell an artist's work. Oh, we know that's so-and-so because of the way it's done. That's how our God is. He designed us with a plan to live out, a plan to live righteously. In the New Testament, we find it's only in Christ that we can be made righteous. We can um, try to live righteously according to the law, but we saw from the Old Testament that that didn't quite work. <laughs> The Old Testament law simply pointed out the fact that they were sinful people and needed a Savior. And they needed a righteous one, and Jesus Christ was that for us. So, the blue is a reminder of his perfect righteousness. Next to blue is the deep color of indigo. And indigo represents, here's that word omni again meaning all, and potence, which means power, omnipotence, and God is all-powerful. Amen. Would someone please read Revelation 19.6? Revelation 19.6.
as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunders, saying, Alleluia, to the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Lord God omnipotent reigns. There is no one nor no thing that is more powerful than our God. He is the almighty, omnipotent God. Omni meaning all and power, potent meaning power. And because of that, you and I can rest assured that there is nothing that he can't do for us. There is no promise that he has made to us that he will not keep. Yes. Potent is power. Mm-hmm. Power. When you think about a strong odor, that's potent. Does that make sense? Okay. So, all-powerful. And he can overpower any enemy that comes our way. Amen. Hallelujah. He has all power yes, over yes, death yes, yes, yes. and life. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And because of that, we never have to live in fear of anything. That's right. He has all the power. Hallelujah. 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 So we can trust him to fight our battles. We can trust him to go before us. Mm -hmm. We can trust him to work all things to our good. Amen. We can trust him to protect us. Amen. He is the Lord of hosts. Amen. That phrase, the Lord of hosts, means he's the Lord of an army. He's got heaven's army at his disposal. Yes. He is the Lord of hosts. Yes, yes, yes. So, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth mm -hmm. today, not in the future. He reigns today, and we can trust in that. Amen. Violet, or purple, has long been known as um, the color worn by royalty. So, this is sovereignty. He is sovereign over all. Our God is sovereign. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. There is no other God beside him. And in Hebrews 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 13, when he swore to Abram, we see that he swore by his own name because there is no other name by which to swear by. Mm -hmm. There is no thing higher than our God. Amen. Amen. Violet is the color worn by royalty and declares supreme authority. Yeah. And to him alone, we are to give his glory. Supreme authority. Oh, Hebrews 6.13, sorry. Okay, Acts 17, 27 through 31 says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. Abigail, Abigail, could you be quiet, please? Thank you. As though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. 
For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image carved by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man, referring to Jesus, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the, from the dead. That was Acts 17, 27 through 31. The Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives to you, oh, excuse me, who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in inapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. And that's in 1 Timothy 6, 13 to 16. Our God is sovereign over all of his creation. He can be fully trusted to be our King and to be our Lord and worthy of all praise. He is glorious because of who he is. Us, not so much. <laughs> we are not so glorious, though we might try to shine by our own merits. Um, hopefully, we, we leave that to God to shine, but they can't compare. Anything we could do could not compare to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. J.I. Packer, in that book that I was reading from earlier, Growing in Christ, says it this way. Now let us test our spiritual quality. The principle of human sin, which is the devil's image in man, is this. Glory is not God's, but mine. Accordingly, we parade what we think of as our glory, so that admiring watchers will give us glory. This is one facet of pride. We call it vanity. Vain persons put on a show with their features, their physical shape, their clothes, their skills, the position, their influence, their homes, their brains, their acquaintanceships, or whatever they are most proud of. They expect applause and feel resentful and hurtful, hurt, hurt if people do not play up to them and act impressed. But Christians, know that vanity is a lie, for it assumes that it is we who should be praised and admired for what we are, and that is not so. Christianity teaches us not indeed to pretend that we lack qualities which we know very well that we have, but to acknowledge that all we have is God's gift to us, so that, we, so that he should be praised and admired for it rather than we. <clears throat> Excuse me. The test is to ask yourself how pleased or how displeased you become if God is praised and you are not. And equally, if you are praised while God is not. 
The mature Christian is content not to have glory given to him, but it troubles him if men are not glorifying God. Did you catch that? The mature Christian is content not to have glory given to them, but it troubles him if men are not glorifying God. It pained the dying Puritan Richard Baxter, the outstanding devotional writer of his day, when visitors praised him for his books, he said, I was but a pen in God's hand. And what praise is due to a pen? That shows the mentality of the nature they want to, that we want to cry every moment. Give glory to God, Amen. for it is his due Amen. and his alone. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have to read the rest of that book because there was some powerful stuff, stuff in it. <clears throat> I was enjoying it. Charles Spurgeon <clears throat> preached one time, and he said, The moment we glorify ourselves, <clears throat> since there is room for only glory in one, only one glory in the universe, we set ourselves up as rivals to the Most High. Yeah. He is sovereign over all. And let's let him be God and remember that we are not. Woo. Woo. Yeah. This is showing stuff. Woo. Yeah. Hey. Hallelujah. Hey. So when we give glory to God, it's ascribing to him his full recognition of his character, acknowledging and extolling what is already a reality. It is who he is. This is who he is. We can't change that by our mere words. We can only express it. And so throughout the New Testament, the glory of Jesus Christ also reveals himself as God. For the Son, the Father, and the Spirit are all the same character. They all have the same essence. Jesus set that aside to come and live as a human, but it was still his possession to begin with. So that he could show God's love. He could show God's omnipotence, his omniscience, his eternalness, his righteousness, and his sovereignty. He is the light of the world, and his glory is refracted in the light of that glory. So we too, ladies, are to reveal the glory of God. Amen. We are to love self-sacrificially, regardless of others' response. Yes. 1 John 4, 13, after speaking of God's love, says, Greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. And just a couple verses before that, Jesus said, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. If we want to glorify God, we must love one another. Amen. Even our enemies. Amen. Oh, Lord, that's hard. Amen. That, that's when we know it's God. Because Amen. there is no human way that we could love our enemies. Yes. But because of God, we can. Amen. We can love because he first loved us. Amen. Then when we see the orange of the rainbow, we glorify him by remembering his omnipresence and living accordingly. Because, ladies, he is always with us. Amen. Always with us. I think what we put before our eyes, where we take this body, all of that needs to be kept in line with the remembrance that he is always with us. I was probably in my early 30s when the Lord convicted me about a TV show that I was watching. Mm -hmm. 
And this was back in the day when TV shows were not what they are even today. I mean, they had restrictions on what could be seen and could not be seen. But he convicted me that I was spending time putting worthless things before my eyes because I had read Psalm 101 that morning. And verses 2 and 3 says, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. Oh, that was hard. <laughs> That's still a hard one to live out. Um, to be perfectly honest, it's still a hard one to live out. But it's getting easier as I remember the omnipresence of my Lord and King. For nothing is hidden from him, Luke 18, 7, 8, 17 says. Nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. There is nothing hidden from our omnipresent God. So let's glorify him with our behavior based on the awareness that he is always with us. We give him glory for his omniscience, yellow in the rainbow, um, when we trust his word to be true. When we rely on him to know the answers and don't try to come up with them for ourselves. When we rely that he knows all things and that in his love, and with his presence, he is going to direct us in all things. We can trust him. You know, a lot of times life happens and it's not what we wanted to happen. It's not what we expected to happen. But when we're trusting God's omniscience, we can walk through that. Mm -hmm. We can not only walk through it, but we can thrive in Hallelujah. it. Because he Hallelujah. has made a way for us to go through. Hallelujah. So we can trust him in that. He knows the bigger picture. Hallelujah. We don't know how all this fits together, but he does. And we can trust him in that. Matthew 5, 16 says, we are to let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Then there is his eternalness. We glorify him when we walk with the mindset that we are eternal in Christ. That this world is not our home. We are just a passing through. And someday we will be standing on the other side of this life, this human body. And we will see God in all of his glory. Yes. But until that time. We need to remember to walk this work, this earth, remembering we are eternal beings, that eternity is coming, and that we have work to do in the meantime. Amen. We need to remember that this, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Amen. Though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us. It's producing something, ladies. Yes. <laughs> An eternal yes. weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Amen. For the things which are seen are temporal, Amen. but the things which are not seen are eternal. Yes. Yes. What a blessing. Yes. When we keep an eternal perspective, yes. 
it changes how we live day to day. Amen. Amen. When we have struggles, we begin to look at the eternal weight of the glory um, that it's creating in us. It sure makes this whole life more bearable in my book. Yes. As we live this way, it in it as it, um, God is glorified because it shows his spirit at work in us. And others will see who he is through us. So we're working from a place of using his patience, his peace, and even his joy as our strength. Um, it is then that we are fulfilling his righteous plan for us. Remember, blue represents righteous. And um, that's what we want to, we want to live in that righteous plan, that, that blueprint that he designed for each one of us to live by. That's only possible, as we described before in Ephesians 5:18, where we are so saturated to the point of control by the Spirit that He is the one that flows out of us. So we are to seek His will above our own. And we each one have our own race to run. It's specifically tailored for who God knew you would be and the gifts that He would give you and the talents and the, the life that he would give you and the place he would put you in and the time period he would put you in. None of this is by chance. This was all God ordaining this blueprint for you. So we can only live out that plan by depending on his omnipotence. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6 says, Such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And the color is of indigo is a combination between blue and violet, between his righteousness and and his sovereignty comes that power that we need to live in. As we walk by his power, recognizing him as our sovereign king and lord, then we have that power that we need to get through the days, today, tomorrow, and forward. Glorifying him as our king of kings and lord of lords means we will walk in submission to him, to let him rule over us. And as Ephesians 5.18 says, to be saturated to that point of control. Submission gets a bad rap these days, doesn't it? But as Christians, we know it is the only way to live. In full submission to our sovereign king of kings. There is no other way that we will see those little moments that he created just for each one of us individually. Those heart moments that I have. Those rainbows yes. that we have. Yes. Those little things that he does out in your backyard for you. Yes. Just you alone. That remind you that he is there with yes. you. He does that for each one of yes. his children. He has an intimate relationship with each one of us. He has no favorites. You know that, right? I know sometimes I think I'm his favorite. But <laughs> he really has no favorite. I know we all think we're the favorite. Yes. That's kind of like how my, it was with my grandmother. You know, every one of us grandchildren thought we were our grandmother's favorites because she treated us like that. She had that kind of relationship with us. And that's how God is with us as well. So we glorify him 
as our sovereign ruler when we submit to him. And that's when we can stand in awe of Amen. all of that he does. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, from attribute to attribute, from character to character. Hallelujah. He is changing us yes. into the image of Christ. I just love that about him. It's as we apply his truth in our life and as we walk by his spirit that we are changed. From glory to glory, from godly attribute to godly attribute, mirroring the image of God to reveal His glory, not ours. And it's so much better than trying to do this thing called life on our own, isn't it? Yes. When we rely on His love and His presence and His knowledge and His wisdom and eternalness and His righteousness and His power and the fact that He is our God, we can just rest in him we can just rest in him he has given us a rainbow his signature written across the sky to remind us of who he is and we know when we see that rainbow it's just a reminder that he is able he is able to do anything that concerns us today and tomorrow we know that it's a remembrance of a promise that he made but ladies for us it's a promise that is full this bible has over seven thousand promises in it amen amen if we just latched onto one of those and for me as a young teen i latched onto romans 8 28 as my promise that i know he's going to work all things together for my good because i love him and i'm called amen. according to his purpose that is my latch. Then as I got a little bit older, it was, okay, I've got that one. How about Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There are so many promises that we can draw from. And if we are struggling through our days, I would just challenge you to take the time to memorize some of those promises that are made to us. When we know who he is and what he has done and what he is able to do, we can rest in him. My dad calls it faith rest. It's the faith rest technique. Yeah. You know who God is, you know what he's capable of, mm -hmm. and you sit back and you mm -hmm. rest Amen. and let him do the work for you. He's got this. Yes. And nothing is going to happen in our lives that he has not allowed into our life, filtered through his love, filtered through his righteousness, which is perfect and holy and just. How many times do we say, how unfair, or we don't say, but we hear, or maybe we have said, well, if God exists, why is he allowing all of these terrible things to happen? They see him as unjust, not recognizing that because of his righteousness, he can't be anything but just. Amen. And in order for justice to play out and settle this conflict with Satan, 
He has to let the world be governed by Satan. Amen. That's true. And so when we recognize who he is, what he's capable of, we can simply rest in him. He is fully capable to handle anything because of who he is. So we don't have to live in fear. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me close with these words from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up the, from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word. I praise you, Father, for the glory of who you are. We don't give it to you, Father. It is who you are. But we do want to acknowledge it. We do want to praise you and bless you for it. I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much that in that love you sent a Savior for us to redeem us and to keep us in a relationship with you. I praise you, Father, for your omnipresence, that you yes. go before us and you go behind us and you have your hand upon us. Thank you, Father, that you are always with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I praise you for your omniscience that knows all things. Before we even get there, Lord, you know how to provide for what we need that your grace is sufficient for every weakness. Father, I praise you for your eternalness. You have always been, and you will always be, and we can always rely on that. I praise you for your righteousness, Father, that there is a perfect way that you have, that you are not a God that is this way one day, and the next, next day you're some other way, and we can't get a grasp of you. Father, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your righteousness, it allows nothing but good to be in our life when we follow you. So, Father, I praise you for your righteousness. And, Father, I also praise you for your omnipotence that gives us the strength that we need to live day in, day out. Father, you are our God, our King of kings, and our Lord of lords. And may we not put anyone else in your place. May you always be number one in our life as i tell my grandchildren constantly god first god last and god everything in between to you be all the glory and praise i love you father god yes. i pray for your son so that we can have a relationship with you and i pray you for your spirit that you have placed within us during this period of time so that we too can glorify you to the world around us. Thank you, Lord. May you use each one of Hallelujah. these ladies to reveal your glory to those around them. May you be their sovereign God daily. And may we seek you with our whole heart, our whole soul, and our mind. All of our strength, Father, belongs to you. We pray this in the blessed name of Jesus. Can I just say Yes, you may. <laughs> I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. So I just wanted to acknowledge it and say thank you and it's a holy heart.
I see them moving in this teaching, moving in the little world, moving through you. I'm looking at Kelsey and I'm seeing the spirit of the Lord is here. Thank you. Because that's what his word will do. That's what his Amen. word will do. Amen. Bring the outpouring of, of, of the spirit. Um, so I just want to say thank you, family. Thank you for this teaching. I am but a 